Hello and welcome to this podcast, one of a series from the pandemic and beyond. I'm Victoria Tischler and the Pandemic and Beyond is a project funded by the Arts and Humanities Research Council at the University of Exeter to show how research in the arts and humanities is helping us to live through and make sense of and recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. There's been much concern raised during the pandemic about those deemed clinically vulnerable. This includes many people with learning disabilities and autism. People with learning disabilities have died from COVID at up to six times the rate compared to the general population. The Creative Doodle Book is a resource developed by Mind the Gap and York St. John University to support socially distanced community arts practice during the COVID-19 pandemic. The project involved delivering participatory arts practice to organizations across the country working with people with learning disabilities and autism. To find out more, today I'm going to be talking to Matthew Reason, who is leading the Creative Doodle Book Project. We are joined by Vicky Ackroyd from Totally Inclusive People, an organisation that offers consultation and interactive disability awareness and equality training, aiming to provide individuals with the skills to communicate confidently and compassionately. So if I can start with you, Matthew, could you tell us a bit more about the ideas behind the Creative Doodle Book Project? Thank you, um, Victoria, and thank you for having us today. So yeah, so the, the Creative Doodle Book um, is a hands-on resource which is designed uh, with open and playful tasks that uh, encourage people to be creative, uh, to be reflective, uh, to be mindful. And it emerges from, there's a, there's a long tradition within the arts of kind of creative tasks that are designed to make you think um, in, in different ways. So we're inspired by things like uh, Kerry Smith's book, Wreck This Ju Journal, or Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. Um, and very much the, the idea is that uh, in, in Joseph Boyce's sense, everyone's an artist, but sometimes that blank page is really difficult to, to get past, um, you know, the, the fear of where do I start, what do I do? So the, the Doodle Book has uh, playful prompts, tasks, instructions, impossible tasks, things to make you think, things to make you do, things to make you reflect. Um, and the idea with, with this project was that um, we wanted to, to use the Doodle Book as a, as a hands-on, a tangible resource that could underpin online workshops. And that combination, I think, has, has been something that's been really interesting and, and really uh, central to the success of the project of having something that is physical, that is a resource we've got in our hands, that is that is ours, that the participants get through the post, which they're quite often excited by, uh, but then they're brought together um, by the workshops, which have primarily been led by, by Vicky, who's joined us today. Um, and in terms of the project, um, that kind of bringing people together was again key. Uh, togetherness is a, a central notion of community arts. Um, you know, the, if you think of it in, it's people coming together in village halls or in schools or in hospitals or in all sorts of different uh, contexts to make theatre, music or art together. And as we all know, that became difficult to impossible uh, under lockdowns and social distancing. So very much this project was interested in, in how can we be together while apart, and in particular, how can we use the Doodle Book as a model um, for how to do that? So over, uh, I guess it's the last 10 months, we started in November uh, 2020, we've worked with um, over 30 different partners, arts organisations across the country, um, running, I think, well over 100 workshops with them um, over the course of that time. And it's been a really fascinating insight, both into how the Doodle Book works, 
but also in how these organizations have responded and adapted to COVID in supporting um, all different kinds of participants. Um, we've, as you said, worked predominantly with people with learning disability and autism, but we've also worked with uh, seniors, with children uh, in a mental health context, in hospitals, in, in all sorts of different contexts, and very much the idea of it being a, an open resource that all sorts of people can access. Fantastic. I'll come back um, later and ask you a bit more about the impact, but I've been lucky enough to see one of the creative doodle books. Um, but for the benefit of our listeners, Matthew, could you explain what, what it looks like if you opened up a page of the creative doodle book, if you could describe that? Absolutely, of course. So uh, as I was saying, it's, it's designed to get over the, 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 white, the white page, the blank space, which we don't know what to do with. So each page has, um, I guess it's, it's kind of that sweet spot of how much instruction is enough to get you going, but not too much for it to become a, a dictatorial task where you can only do it in one way. So the, the pages are divided into sections, things to help you do, things to help you think, things to help you reflect. And the tasks such as uh, opening at random, cut out some words from magazines or food packages and arrange them into a short poem. You know, very kind of familiar tasks from anybody who's done creative writing workshops. What we've done here is gather tasks from all sorts of places of inspiration um, and, and present them in a, in a visual um, context. They're often accompanied by little drawings done by our artist, Brian Hartley, um, with the idea of just, you know, again, breaking that white space, giving us space to, to think and so on. Um, other tasks, there's, there's one which has a simple line across the bottom going from one place to another, which asks you to think about yourself on a tightrope and what stops you from falling off. You know, again, it's a reflective task. What are your support mechanisms, your friends, your family that, that keep you on the tightrope of, of your life? So again, a, a different kind of instruction, a different kind of thinking uh, to get you reflecting in a, in a kind of a mindful way. Um, and I think we've got, we've got uh, 60, 70 odd tasks within the book. And we've defined them as, as open tasks, by which we mean is that somebody can come and do a task, whether they um, define themselves as an artist or not, whether they're a child or a senior, whether they've got learning disabilities, and they can do the task in all sorts of different ways. Uh, they could do it again and do it very differently. We could have a group of people doing the same task and all have very different responses. Uh, so it's open in that sense of universal design. That's design which is accessible uh, to everybody to do in all sorts of ways. But again, everybody's doing the same task. So when they come together, they can share their many different ways of responding to the same task. And, and the recurring theme of the, the Doodlebook online sessions has been people holding up the Doodlebook to the, to the webcam to show each other what they've done, um, which has been a kind of real uh, kind of visual moment of, of, of that bringing people together. Amazing. Thanks, Matthew, for sharing that. Vicky, can you tell us about Totally Inclusive People's involvement with the Doodlebook project? So I got, was brought in um, to facilitate the, the sessions, to create inclusive sessions so that as many people as possible could um, get involved and really enjoy uh, the Creative Doodlebook. And in actual fact, it was very straightforward because it's an absolute gift of a... Of a a, a creative tool because one of the comments that that came out from one of the um uh one of facilitators that we're working with was that it's ageless um that's the beauty of it so it doesn't it doesn't feel childish so you can have quite simple drawings and simple tasks but in actual fact they they can be responded to in all manner of ways so um as matthew said i worked with um children in schools um 
and then with people who are living with dementia in care homes and it fits everybody i mean that's the absolute beauty of the creative doodle book is it's such a flexible exciting uh resource that you can really play with and because the tasks are open um you can play a bit fast and loose with them as well and adapt them for the group and change them around a little bit so um my role within this was absolutely to to um, ensure that there was a really playful sense of getting on with something whilst also allowing it to be flexible and um, people not to feel like they were at, at school if if they weren't at school <laughs> and to feel like that the Zoom environment was still creative uh, because the iteration of the, the the book that we worked with on on Zoom was very definitely designed for an online engagement. So that was really, really interesting. And just to say that I'm one of the collaborators, my project Culture Box has incorporated the Creative Doodle Book into some of our materials. And I've had some lovely conversations with older people in care homes, older people who are living with dementia and them sharing um, the content with me and holding up the pages as you've been describing and showing me when we've been doing interviews. So I, I would definitely concur that um, some of our participants are really enjoying the Creative Doodle Book as well. So, Vicky, in terms of the format for the sessions, was it the same for the different um, populations you were working with or did you change it in any way? Uh, well, it, it sort of moulded to, to different groups, but essentially, yes, it was a very similar um, format. So we'd always start with um, a warm up, so listening to music um, and just responding to it with felt tips and paper. Um, it could be the back pages of the um, the doodle book where there are a, a couple of blank sheets um, because we were also really um, mindful that we didn't know what resources people had at home and that we didn't want to either spend be spending a fortune on having to send resources and just assume that people had all sorts of things. Uh, the baseline was a packet of felt tips or coloured pencils. So that meant it that was accessible as well. But people need to get out of their heads and into their hands. You know, you've got that block of never mind the, the white page, but there's oh well I can't do art. I can't do it. It's so in actual fact we needed to get people to going, well we're, we're not we're not gonna pretend this isn't an art class. This is absolutely about creativity and getting our hands moving and responding. So our warm-up always started with two very different pieces of music to respond to um, on the page. So hopefully you'd you'd see different colours and shapes as people got more used to kind of thinking, oh, this is what we're doing. We did that every week. And then I, um, in terms of the artists that we worked with, um, looked at the uh, the doodle book and then did some research around what artist might fit really nicely. So, for example, um, I think one of the, uh, the pages that Matthew mentioned was about impossible things. So we looked at op art, so that art that just really plays tricks on your eyes and we explored Bridget Riley. Um, Another one was create a map of your of your environment your or your world where well, we created um, a map of ourselves and our lives, our creative lives and used Frida Kahlo as the centre of that, who very much puts herself at the centre of her work. So we what we did was we just explored how to match some of the doodle book pages with an artist um who we could then explore and play with and i guess and be inspired by it as well so we looked at some of the work that that artist did and then 
what I did was broke it down into, um, I suppose, layers of activity. So we'd then we, we'd do a little bit first and then we'd add something else on top. So we were rarely drawing a thing. Um, we were experimenting and exploring with with creativity and and things to to think about as well. I worked with one advocacy group mm -hmm. as well, who I was really aware that uh, any anything creative wasn't actually that interesting to them. <laughs> that they, they weren't particularly creative people. So um, Matthew mentioned the uh, one page was cut out cut out words and create a poem. So we used Barbara Kruger, who uses a lot of uh, sort of campaign slogan type um, creativity. So we used her as a as an example of an artist who I think they could really connect to because as an uh, as an advocate, um, campaigning it will, will be very will figure large um, in what they were doing. So it's just trying to make sure that it fitted the group, the work fitted uh, the group that were, that were engaging with the Doodle Book rather than it just being, we're doing this and everybody's just got to fit into it. So there was definitely lots of flexibility in there. I agree that in order to be inclusive, it's really important what language you use in, you know, in order to engage people. And I was interested that you said you use music as part of a warm up. How, what kinds of music did you use and who chose the music? I chose it. <laughs> I chose the music and it was, um, I just created a Spotify playlist. And for example, um, an artist that we explored was Julie Maritu, who's an um, uh, American Ethiopian artist. So I found some American jazz and then some Ethiopian traditional um, folk music and put those together. So they had echoes of the artist with whom we were working. So for Frida Kahlo, we explored, we had two different Mexican tracks. Um, so the music, as I say, it, it echoed the um, the artists that we were working with, but they were then very, very different tracks that, you know, one would be very lively and one would be um, slow and serene, perhaps, uh, just so that it was really easy to identify difference between those two um, pieces of music. What was interesting as well, music figured quite large through the, um, the activity as well, because sometimes people you know, they dashed off a, a, a quick something or other in about three seconds and they'd they'd kind of had enough then. They, they were happy to be engaged and happy to stay there and watch what other people were doing, but they didn't really want to do any more. Um, so we just did um, a bit of a request show as well for some sometimes. So when, Musical um, request. A hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> so I was a top DJ moment. Uh, Sounds like a dream there. job, Vicky. <laughs> do you know, it was not hard. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was really lovely and fascinating of course hearing what tracks people chose and and that was a really great sort of incidental thing that went alongside it clearly it wasn't the the key activity but it was really nice just to mm. kind of have um have some music going along alongside it yeah absolutely and you mentioned being inspired by a different artist so who actually decided what the content was in the doodle book when the doodle book was put together well, the, with the Doodle Book, were, that was the content in there was decided by um, Matthew and and the uh, group of people that bind the gap as well. Um, but then I, I I sort of messed around with it a bit. <laughs> with um, once it became clear that it, it, it sometimes it was going to be tricky to do the tasks exactly as as they were. But I I think the invitation within the task was absolutely to adapt and and 
to respond to it in your own way. So I didn't feel I was messing about with it. I just felt like I was um, responding to it in, in in a particular way. And I think a dancer might respond in, a, in another way. And a theatre practitioner, once you're in a room, would respond in another way still. So I think it were the, the tasks were laid out, I felt, as an invitation to play around. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel I was, as I say, um, messing around with it. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and in terms of the uh, the Zoom environment, the visual art uh, sort of engagement suited it, suited mm-hmm. it really well, um, because people can uh, connect with a felt tip pen and a piece of paper on an individual level in a way that that's quite difficult to do in terms of dance, music or theatre. So that was why um, we went down the, the sort of visual artist route with okay. the with the Zoom engage, pandemic engagement. Mm-hmm. Matthew, Vicky mentioned Mind the Gap. Could you tell us a bit more about them and, and their involvement in the project? Yeah, so um, for those people who don't know, Mind the Gap, um, who are based in Bradford, are a learning disability theatre and arts organisation. Um, with which I've been working for for a number of years in, in various elements. Um, so they they have an academy, a training course for learned disabled artists, and they have a, a professional touring company. And the, the connection with the Doodlebook um, predates COVID. So the, the the before the pandemic, the Doodlebook had a, a prior existence, which was as a as a resource which we developed with um, Minding Up Artists. So as Vicky mentioned there, the initial version was developed with workshops with learned artists around how could we help their reflective practice? How could we help them think about their art making, their theatre making through these kind of tasks? Um, and we developed that as part of a, a project which Mind the Gap were running with partners in uh, uh, Loise Mouche, who are based in Roubaix in France, and Moom's Teatron, who are in Malmo in, in Sweden. Uh, and that, that project was around supporting learned disability artists' career development, and, and my involvement was around supporting reflective practice. Mm-hmm. And then come uh, lockdown, um, all the, the Mind the Gap studios closed, all the artists had to go home. They had to suddenly, like everybody else, reinvent how they worked remotely. And they just happened to have a couple of hundred copies of that first version of the Doodle Book lying around. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it was yourself, Vicky, or, or how that initial thing of, well, let's just use this online. So that, that kind of, um, and I think from the interviews I've done with the organisations we worked with, that kind of initial, how do we go quickly from organisations which on the whole, have had zero experience of working online um, because they're about being in the same place at the same time, suddenly had to, to, to shift online. And, and we found that the, the Doodle Book really worked very well for that. And it was on the basis of that as a kind of pilot that we put in the application to, to UKRI for the, for the funding for this. I love that we, element of serendipity. And I also, yeah. I'm always full of... Um, admiration for how quickly creative organizations can pivot because they're just naturally really flexible and, and creative, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, um, so we did interviews with with all of the organizations we worked with, and, and that was a recurring theme. You know, people would, would say, you know, from even beforehand, some companies had anticipated And so they used those last sessions when they could be in the same room at the same time to figure out how do you use Skype or how do you use Zoom with in some cases with people with learning disabilities where it wasn't something they had any experience with and, and needed quite a lot of support um, or, or just within a couple of weeks. And that 
really rapid pivoting is is I think a, an incredible story of of COVID nineteen mm. um, that is worth celebrating and also worth thinking about how do we in the future support that because I think it was it was rapid and it was impressive but it was also exhausting and draining for for a lot of people so one element of the doodle book was is simply as was around supporting those organisations giving them some additional support some additional skills and resources which because of the funding we were able to do, we were able to, to offer the workshops for free and offer that. And that was, uh, several of them said it came at a really good time, at a time when they they were getting exhausted, when they were running out of that initial, hey, we can do things online, and they're getting into, hey, doing things online is really exhausting. Uh, and we were able to offer that additional support. I, and I like that the um, Doodle book is, sorry for interrupting, is a physical object as well, and it's a, it's a sort of digital detox one of the older people in my research who's using it said she has it by her bedside, you know, and it's almost like a book that she can kind of pick up and doesn't involve looking at a screen as, as we're having to do so much. I think so. And what one thing in, in the sessions that Vicky ran was uh, there was often be a, a, a moment of drawing where everybody would be online still, but they wouldn't be looking at the screen. Their heads would be down at their desk or at their book or, or wherever they had it. And they would still be together. But the, the, the franticness of Zoom, Zoom is quite transactional. And, and that, I think, is what's quite exhausting about mm. it. But in this case, they, weren't, they were together, but they weren't constantly interacting. It was like that comfortable silence you have with people in, in the same space sometimes. So, yeah, so that, that and, and it also is not a screen. It's, it has that, that page and that softness of, mm. of page, which is really useful. And recurring um, from the interviews with, with the groups, recurring comments was around um, calmness and that actually were and I think this is partly to do with with the book but also to do with Vicky's skills as a facilitator part of the experience was of of a calmness within the space a space to breathe and to relax uh, and doodling has that calmness that there's a kind of a meandering a wandering a, 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 there isn't an objective it doesn't matter where we go it's about the journey and mm-hmm. I think that was really important. So you've started, I think you've started to touch upon the impact of your project. So what, what kind of um, evaluation or methodology did you use in order to find out what impact the project had? So our, our methodology was, it's a, it, we've conceived this as a practice-based project. So part of the, the research is through the developing of the resource and the practice of exploring that with uh, Vicky. We had a, a second facilitator called Lisa, and they would uh, do, do notes after each session, those kind of... Um, field notes if you like um i can't remember that, that we had briefs and short briefs in terms of what to note down or things to look out for on, on each session so we collected those those together um, and we also then uh did interviews with um all of the uh practitioners from the partner companies uh with at the end of each sort of cycle so we work with them for cycles of four weeks and then we do kind of a, a debrief kind of interview or conversation mm-hmm. and those were fairly often joined by participants themselves mm-hmm. either, either formally or informally so there's various ways of of, of collecting feedback um, and having those kind of reflective conversations with with the companies which we use to gather their experience of the doodle book but also to gather their covid stories gather those stories of adaptation and change and their, their sense of the impact of their work and the importance of their work uh, for their for their participants during this this time mm-hmm. so the, those those kind of qualitative um, elements of gathering uh, the impact through those means okay Vicky are there any moments that you particularly remember or any anecdotes you could share with us about things that happened that were important from your perspective 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I think one was with um, working with a, a school and in actual fact, although the, the pupils identified as having a learning disability, there was one pupil who had a visual impairment as well. So often struggled within a classroom setting, but in fact found the, the process of being on Zoom really accessible because he could get really close to the screen something that we'd not really considered before and in actual fact the teacher was saying we haven't considered this before you know perhaps putting things on screen so i think it it potentially changed how they might move forward with yeah. um pupils with with visual impairments as well so that was quite interesting and where he would struggle um reportedly struggle in a in a classroom situation he was able to stay on on zoom for the full session and you would not necessarily expect that you would expect the zoom to be a little bit more um challenging but but not so in this instance mm -hmm. we had somebody who struggled to sit down um for long periods of time so he would get up and dance sometimes he, his response would be to to dance the 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 doodle book task which was just fun really and I, I i guess it's just allowing that to be fine in a classroom situation it's probably a bit distracting but in actual fact on zoom it's not it's absolutely fine um so that was that was great i had one so were you, moment were you recording the sessions may i ask no i was no, just wondering how you capture that that lovely um uh, I just wrote about dancing. it. In I just your wrote about it. Yeah. It's an interesting um, question. I think I think one of the the fears was around uh, over researching and turning what was supposed to be an artistic calming experience for for the for the participants into something which had a kind of research purpose and research function. And I guess as a researcher, we made the decision quite early on not to do that and to you know to let go of that in, mm -hmm. in some ways. I'm saying. Also, I think it, we, we had over 100 sessions and I would hate to think of the, the, how on earth would you begin to pretend to make sense of all of that. Yeah. So, no, we, we, we relied on, on, on the questions which were, were the same for each week to, to notate things that have happened that have been interested or striking that are memorable for, for mm -hmm. participants. So, yeah, so a degree of letting go of that kind of researchly desire to capture things and to hold things. Uh, in the name of actually this as a, as a practice based exploration. Let's, let's yeah. keep it in the moment. Thanks for reminding us about that. Vicky, was there something else you were going to add? Yeah, I think there was another one. When I was working with some older people who were in a in a care home living with dementia, um, it was interesting that some of the tasks really unlocked um, some of their childhood memories as well in really positive ways. And, and, and then just commenting that another teacher talked about um, somebody presenting more work in one session on the with a doodle book than he's likely to produce in a month in school so i think that's that just demonstrates the flexibility and it captures the imagination it really uh fires people up and there is a way into it um in all sorts of different um ways you know people are excited by it and interested by it and i would always kind of mix things up in terms of show a little film about the artist mm -hmm. no more than three minutes ever mm -hmm. so you know you're not then because i think then it takes you away from that group activity mm -hmm. um uh which and that really worked as well so it's not just me sort of blabbering on um about about stuff it, it's it's really exploring things in different ways um we had one one group that we were working with who um one of the facilitators was also a musician so rather than a spotify playlist he then um, played the piano. He played the piano or the violin through, throughout the, the creativity. So it, it's just, and somebody that, that people would then ask if they could share some of their own 
poetry or uh, share a song that they wanted to sing that mm -hmm. that happened occasionally as well so I think that there was such a diverse response to it. It was wonderful that that was able to happen and people felt confident about uh, being able to ask that and that being all right. Yeah. I think yeah. another facilitator also said, oh, this is just echoing what Matthew said. This has come at such the right time. It's great that you'll be doing some of the heavy lifting for a few weeks because I, I think the response was so quick and and positive and really can do we're, you know we're going to do this we're still going to continue to support people but then it, it was uh, exhausting so being able to support um practitioners practitioners and facilitators and one even said you know i hadn't expected to be inspired by an online project like this but actually i was it's changed some of my practice I, i'm gonna go and do things differently so that was brilliant that yeah. was great what about really your lovely. own practice, Vicky, and any impacts on the wider totally inclusive people as an organisation? Well, absolutely. Just in terms of being able to know that we can do really uh, meaningful, uh, fabulous stuff online as well. Mm -hmm. The art was was great. It take it the, the doodle book takes away the pressure to be good. I think that was really helpful. So you don't have to be good. You just need to get involved. And I think that difference is really critical in terms of being creative rather than being an artist uh, mm -hmm. in that way that, that that suggests you might have to have some skill. Whereas in actual fact, you don't. You don't have to have any skill. You just have to dive in and and do it. So I, th I think that was really useful as well. And I'll certainly uh, planning on using the doodle book. Matthew, you're a professor of theatre and performance. What do you think those art forms bring to supporting pandemic efforts? I think the the, the projects and the interviews we did um, has really shown the, the value of creativity to individuals. The, the role in which the individual participants um, saw as, as creativity having it having in their lives, um, both the facilitators and the participants actually. So some of the facilitators kind of said they realised that 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 it was an essential part of their identity of who they saw themselves as being and for the the participants one of the recurring kind of themes was around how the the, the doodle book um, gave them a voice it gave them a way of communicating their experiences uh, whether those were experiences of um, in occasional instances as, as Vicky said sort of childhood memories or experiences of uh, who they saw themselves to be or their world or just totally invented creative moments there's one around invent your own superhero um, and you can imagine the kind of responses we, we had from that but in, in doing that those were often also responses about who they felt they were and who they wanted to be and so on and we had other tasks which were, were more directed so there's one around um, coming up with with one big thing you'd like to change about the world one, one big thing and that was drawn inside an elephant shape. And then alongside that, one small step you'd make to start towards that. And I think during the pandemic, um, a lot of people, but maybe particularly people with learning disabilities and autism, um, got even more marginalized and even more excluded from kind of public discourses and public conversations than they, they had been previously. Um, kind of emblematic of that has been the, the discussions about the lack of a signer at, at COVID briefings and the inaccessibility of, of that. Um, people with learning disabilities have been described as being very vulnerable, but have been almost entirely kind of neglected from the, from the discourse. There's a double other in there. 
And the arts have the ability to uh, give people a voice to self-advocate and to have that sense of agency that even if it's just the other people in, in the room at that time, there are other people listening and there's other people um, paying attention. There's a, a way of, of telling your story. Um, and I think I'm going back to Mind the Gap, that's, that's very much what they do as an organisation. They're about training through their academy and through their, their company artists, learner-disabled artists, to have the ability to tell their own distinct and particular story in a way that is powerful and evocative and that will get people to, to listen to them. Um, and the Doodle Book does that and other arts projects do that in different ways. So I think um, I think that would be one around, around giving voice, um, advocacy, sense of agency and, and the ability of the arts to, to do that um, and to make people feel that, that they have a degree of, of power in times in which, whether through the pandemic or whether through other kind of um, political structures, we are increasingly feel kind of powerless. Mm -hmm. um, our democracy doesn't often seem to consult us very directly, so we need to find other ways of, of having a voice uh, and so on. So that, that I think would be the one thing I'd stress. Absolutely. Um, Matthew, in the longer term, what are your hopes for the legacy of Creative Doodlebook? Any plans for the future? There has been. I mean, one of the questions we, we got, so at the end of the discussions with the practitioners, we, we asked them if they had any questions for us, and, and almost invariably they asked what was next. There was an enthusiasm, a sense of, of it, it worked, and practitioners, companies who are really busy and stretched for time, don't invest time in things that don't work, so that's a really good sign that, that it was valuable to them. Um, so we've kind of been pondering around what that might be. There was an interest in... Um, one of the, the teachers in, in, a, in a SEND unit in a school wanted to expand it. So all the kids within the school uh, in the SEND unit had the doodle book for the next academic year. So that's one possibility. But the other one we're interested in is the way in which the doodle book facilitates people thinking about difficult ideas. So some of the questions in it are playful ways of thinking big thoughts, if you like. And we had one comment from a group about how working with young people, how she'd had discussions with them that she'd never had with them before because of the, the way that the tasks invited thought. And we're also aware that we've now got a really strong network of uh, arts organizations working with people with learning disabilities who know what the doodle book is, who know how it works. And it's almost like a dispersed kind of peer research group that we'd really like to work with. So one of the next steps we're interested in is, is a follow-up using that group as a group of, of, of arts and learn disabilities co-researchers and using the doodle book as a way of researching something about their world. Um, so so that, that's the next stage and, and possibly the focus will be again on, on self-advocacy and self-representation for, for people with learn disabilities and using the, the kind of open task as a way of, of researching and conducting that. Thank you. And Vicky, what are your um, future hopes for this project or anything leading from it? Well, I think it'd be interesting to see uh, what what happens next with it in terms of what Matthew's talking around. Um, I think I, in terms of doing more sessions with groups, we're, we're probably uh, saturated that in actual fact, just for the moment. Um, but I think it's just exploring these big questions and how you ask difficult questions in accessible ways and get genuine um responses and get people who aren't part of conversations involved in conversations um who who may not um who may be overlooked in other areas so i, I think i think there's definitely uh work to be done and explored with uh with the doodle book it, it's just not quite formulated yet i think uh but i'm quite excited about what what it's going to look like 
yeah, I look forward to any future developments with interest. Um, that's all we've got time for today. And I'd like to thank my guests, Matthew Reason and Vicky Aykroyd. The pandemic and beyond team are Pascal Abisha, Sarah Hartley, Des Fitzgerald, Rachel Nicholas, Benedict Morrison, Garth Davies, and me, Victoria Tischler. To get updates on the project, find out more about the latest arts and humanities COVID-19 research and to access future episodes from this podcast series, you can find everything you need on our website, pandemicandbeyond.exeter.ac.uk.